Yeah, and 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 I'll 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 definitely touch on it. And let me say this while I'm at it, <laughs> which goes to the heart of that. A a prophet should be able to teach. If a prophet can't teach, there's some question on whether or not they're really a prophet or not. And this is where people get into this thing. Oh, well, I just see stuff. <laughs> I just get downloads. I just get, now give me some Bible. <laughs> well, God speaks to me in vision. Good. Give me some Bible. See, it, it comes, you know, all of that gets wrapped up into it. Um, to give you a good illustration, um, this is the danger of asking me questions because I go down a rabbit trail. But Peter, the scripture says when he was doing, you know, when Peter was involved in ministry, that he went down, I think it was Cornelius's house, he went up on a roof and he fell into a trance. Very interesting word. <laughs> he fell into a trance and he saw he had a vision. He had an open vision while in a trance, God letting down this sheet with all manner of unclean beasts and this, that, and the other thing. And he immediately said, you know, God forbid, you know, I've never eaten anything that's unclean. But God used this vision to explain to Peter that God is not a respect of persons. He's not dividing humanity up into clean and unclean, i.e. Jew, Gentile, right? So God used this opportunity to give Peter a vision while Peter was in trance. So Peter's understanding of the work of God could open up more fully so he could be more effective in his ministry. Now he can teach that dynamic of, of God's nature. So as God is dealing with, with anybody in visions and dreams or whatever, the ultimate objective ought to be to open up their understanding clearer to the text so that they're more effective in delivering the word. Sound good? Okay. <laughs> All right. So who, who wants to open this up in prayer? Who wants to open in prayer? Got no praying people. <laughs> Prophetic people who don't pray. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your we thank you for your spirit. Father, we thank you for the joy of the Lord. Father, we thank you that there's so much joy and fellowship when we come together as sons and daughters, brothers and sisters in Christ. Father, we thank you that we can engage your word, we can be engaged by the spirit and have fun all at the same time. What joy it is to be a part of, of your kingdom. And now, Father, we thank you for the anointing to open up the text. Father, we thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation that is released and that is flowing. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right. Well, for starters, let's open up and let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And I want to lay kind of a groundwork that will continue to come back and revisit um, as we go through these classes. And it's going to be important that we understand it. And somebody's already brought it up. I forgot who, but somebody already brought it up. I think it was Brother Hugh. Um, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, this is what we read. And we're going to start reading at 
verse six. Welcome back to Marth. And it says, how be it? We speak wisdom among them that are perfect. That word perfect simply means mature. Doesn't mean perfect in that they're sinless. It means they're just mature. He says that we speak um, wisdom among them that are mature, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the rulers of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Wisdom of God in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes or the rulers of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Now that that's power packed just within itself. If they actually knew what the result of the crucifixion had been, the princes of this world never would crucify Christ. You see, the, the crucifixion is the triumph, not the defeat. So a lot of times when we think about the cross, when we think about the cross, many people almost get sad. You know, oh, they, look what they did to Jesus. And I can't believe they did that to Jesus. And, you know, because we're only looking at it through the eyes of, at that point, we're only looking at it through the eyes of natural, the natural man. We're looking at what they did, how horrible that was where the reality of the matter is, is behind the scenes, had they known what they were doing because of the crucifixion, many sons and daughters would be born unto God. They had one only begotten, Jesus. But out of his death, burial and resurrection, he as a seed was planted in the earth and as a result, God reaped a harvest. Be not deceived, God's not mocked whatsoever man sows, that shall he also reap. God sowed a son and reaped a harvest of sons and daughters. Have they known? Now, this mystery, Paul says, this is the mystery that was hidden in God that God ordained before the world even was. So we're only living out the eternal purpose of God. We're not living out just, oh, well, Adam messed up, so God got nervous and had to think of something to do. So he grabbed his son and sent him to earth to die for me and you. You know, and this is kind of, this is kind of like how Christians see, some Christians, this is kind of how they see the Gospels. Adam sinned, God panicked, <laughs> grabbed Jesus and made Jesus come and die. Now, everybody who rejects Jesus God going to be really upset with him. He going to send him to hell. That's not, that is not the mystery of God. The mystery of God is revealed in Luke chapter or Genesis chapter one, verse 26. Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion. That is the mystery of God. What people didn't understand is that image that man is made on is actually Christ. 
He is the image of the invisible God, which is why the ultimate aim and objective of God is to conform you and I to the image of his son. See, this is what this is what the apostles preached. But over time, over time, you know, we start getting involved in some other stuff called Greek philosophy. But that's another message. Okay, here we go. Which none of the princes of this world knew, because had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither have it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. Stop reading right there. How many of you have heard messages preached on that text? Oh, I has not seen it. Oh, you know, and we go on and on and on talking about what we're going to see when we get to heaven. I hadn't seen the things that God has prepared for them to love them. You know, it's just never entered into the heart of man. The th well, let's read what Paul actually said, because he didn't stop there. He because he goes on and says, but God. Y'all see that but in there? But God has revealed them unto us by his spirit. Because the spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. So what are we talking about? We're talking about a mystery that was hidden in God that had never entered into the heart of man. These things were far beyond the ability of man to understand. But it says, but God has revealed them unto us by his spirit. Now that we are born again and we have his spirit, we can know these mysteries. This is what prophets talk about. Are you with me so far? All right, moving right along. Let's flip back one page and let's go to first uh, Corinthians chapter one. Somebody just came in. Who's that? Stephanie. Hey, Steph. First Corinthians chapter one. And it says this. We'll start reading at verse four. Paul says, I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God, which is given you by Jesus Christ, that in everything you are enriched by him in all utterance and in all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you. Underline in your Bible, the testimony of Christ. If you have a Bible that is too holy to write in, Go to a drugstore and get yourself a five or six dollar Bible that you can write in. God won't get mad if you write in. You're not adding to or taking away. <laughs> You're making clarifying points for yourself. OK, but he says, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you so that you come behind in no gift. Now, keep in mind, he's writing to the Corinthians. Corinthians were the ones that. <laughs> that had the problems. The Corinthians are the ones who couldn't understand that the manifestations of the spirit or what we call the gifts of the spirit are not spiritual toys for us to run around and use on each other. 
that was the Corinthian church that Paul had to write back and set some things in order. But he says, because the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you so that you come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall also confirm you unto the end that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. The testimony of Christ was confirmed in them so that they came behind in no gift. So the testimony of Christ must be confirmed in our lives. Now, how many of you all have heard about active, activating your prophetic gift? How many of y'all heard about that? You know, you go to this workshop, the other workshop for $49.95, we can activate your spiritual gifts, but we can activate your prophetic gift. Keep your money. <laughs> Keep your money, all right? You cannot activate a spiritual gift. You cannot activate a prophetic gift. Because the gifts that we call gifts, they're manifestations of the spirit. This is These are gifts distributed when the spirit of God manifests himself. So how do you activate the Holy Spirit? You can't. He comes activated. <laughs> and once the testimony of Christ is confirmed, this is really what opens up the gateway to you operating in, in manifestations of the Spirit, having the testimony of Christ confirmed in you. But what is the testimony of Christ? Okay, let's go to Revelation chapter 14. Let's let the Bible explain the Bible. Is that okay? <laughs> if we do it that way? All right. And let's go to Revelation chapter 12. And we're going to read verses 15, 16, 17. But we're going to focus on 17. Revelation chapter 12. Am I talking too fast? Because y'all know I get caught up. <laughs> All right. Um, Revelation chapter 12, verse 15. And it says, the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman that he might carry, that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. And the earth helped the woman and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood, which the dragon cast out of his mouth. Verse 17. And the dragon was enraged with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. What did Paul say was confirmed in the Corinthians? Y'all can open your mics and, and answer if you want. <laughs> Paul said, the testimony of Jesus is confirmed in you so that you come behind in no gift. Here in the book of Revelation, with this beautiful picture of what happens with the church throughout history, John says that the remnant of her seed keep the commandments of God, they obey God, <laughs> and they have the testimony of Jesus. But we haven't described what the testimony of Jesus is yet. We just know it's something. 
So Revelation chapter 19, verse 10. Uh, we'll read verses nine too, keeping in some semblance of context. Revelation chapter 19 says this, John is having this vision and in verse 10 or verse nine, he says, and he said unto me, person communicating this information, right, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the lamb and he says unto me, these are the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said unto me, see that you do it not. I am your fellow servant and of your brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is what? the spirit of prophecy. It's the spirit of prophecy that is the testimony of Jesus. What was confirmed in the Corinthians was the testimony of Jesus, i.e. the spirit of prophecy. The identifying characteristic of the remnant of the woman's seed is they keep, they hold the commandments of God, they obey God and they have the testimony of Jesus. They who? The remnant. That's, that's the remnant of God's people in any age during any time. It's not the remnant as in the remnant only exists in the 21st century. The 20th century had a remnant. The 19th century, had a remnant. The 18th century had a remnant. We refer to the work of these remnants. We call it reformations. We call it restorations. We call it outpourings. It was always a remnant of people who had the testimony of Jesus or the spirit of prophecy, which is why they were always rejected by the masses of, of the church because these are folk operating in the spirit of prophecy. They have the testimony of Jesus, which was I, why? Jesus was always at the core of their message. Not houses, not cars, not land, not anointings, <laughs> not signs, wonders, and miracles. What was at the core of their message was Jesus. The signs, the wonders, and the miracles happen because they bear witness to Jesus. These signs will follow them that believe in my name. They preach Jesus and the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of prophecy, always manifests to confirm the message about Jesus. We're not going to see signs, wonders, and miracles in our day because we talk about signs, wonders, and miracles. Just bailing prophecy is what that is. <laughs> Let me get my earpiece. That's that's what that is. It's just bailing prophecy. Any questions on those two verses or three? The testimony of Jesus is 
the spirit of prophecy. So Jesus could say, and when he, the spirit of truth is come, he will bear witness of me. He won't speak of himself. He will glorify me. So when the spirit of God is actually in operation, it's Jesus that's being glorified and pointed to, not the anointing. <laughs> Y'all okay? And this is just the introduction. <laughs> Jesus is Lord. Okay, let's look at first Peter. So we need to understand this before we start talking about the prophets. And here's why. First Peter chapter one. And we'll start at verse nine. And it says, oh, I'll give y'all a couple minutes. I just assumed y'all were there. Everybody good? First Peter, here's what he says, chapter nine. Well, let's go back to verse six. He says, wherein you greatly rejoice though, oh no, let's back up. Let's go to verse three. <laughs> this is all good. But because I, I want you to get the context, he said, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is incorruptible and it's undefiled and it doesn't fade away. It's reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God. How are you kept? You know, what, what is it that when you reach those moments in, 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 in your journey, you think you can't go on no more? You can't, I, I can't do this. I ain't going to make it. Everything coming against me. Yeah, God, you know, I, I, I ain't praying no more. I ain't preaching no more. I ain't reading no more. I ain't studying no more. I know none of y'all been there, just me. I ain't going to do it. I'm done with the ministry. I'll be a motivational speaker. I'm tired of these hard, I'm tired of hard-haired Christians. I'm going to be a motivational speaker. But there's something that just, it seems like it's something that's not you holding you. It's the power of God that's in you. That's what keeps you. So it's not like we're saved by grace and then we keep ourselves based off of what we do. I know that's how we preach a lot of stuff, but that's not it. Everything is by grace through faith and the power of God keeps you through faith unto salvation. Now, here's what I want y'all to get. Ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold <laughs> temptations. So whoever said that Christians don't go through stuff? They obviously have not read their Bible. Christians 
go through stuff. I know, I know that there's a gospel out there that says if you have enough faith, you ain't going to go through nothing. But Peter says, and I think Peter might have known. <laughs> Peter understood what it meant to be kept by the power of God. Remember, it was Peter who denied the Lord three times. But he was kept. Jesus said, Peter, I pray for you that your faith fail not. And then when you are converted, you know what Jesus was doing in that moment? Thank you, Holy Ghost. You know what Jesus was actually doing? He says, Peter, Satan has desired to have you so he could sift you as wheat. <laughs> Peter, you're going to deny me three times. But I pray that your faith fail not. And when you are converted, Jesus is depositing into Peter a prophetic word. When you are converted, he didn't say if you get, he's when you are converted. Because true prophetic words have the ability to not only see what you're about to go through, but to deposit something in you that will keep you and give you a future. Peter, you're going to fail, you're going to get discouraged, but when you're converted, strengthen your brethren. This is what he's doing here. He said, listen, if you are in manifold temptation, this is why. It's so that the trying of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found under praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. How do you know you have faith if you never have to use it? We're going to see this play out in Elijah's life. Y'all okay? Okay. He says, now, at the appearing of Jesus Christ, who, having not seen, you love, in whom, though you see him not, yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Here we go. Receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls, of which salvation the prophets inquire. What prophets is he talking about? Y'all can open up your mic and talk back now. <laughs> what prophets is he talking about? He said, of which salvation the prophets have diligently inquired. What prophets is he talking about? The Old Testament prophets. He said, the salvation that we're talking about, that you have, understand that the prophets have inquired and searched diligently searching what or what manner of time the spirit of Christ which was in them did signify wait a minute so the prophets back then had this had the spirit of Christ The Holy Spirit, the testimony of Jesus, the spirit of prophecy, that's the spirit that operated in the prophets of old? Yeah, same spirit. <laughs> same spirit they had, you have. It's not a different spirit. Same spirit. <laughs> Here's the thing. They search diligently, searching what or what manner of time the spirit of Christ which was in them was testifying when it testified 
what testified? The spirit of Christ, the spirit of prophecy. It testified, remember? It's the testimony of Jesus. It testified to them too. Here's the difference. It testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow unto whom it was revealed. So you mean revelation is not new? <laughs> you mean <laughs> revelation didn't just pop up in the charismatic church? Didn't just pop up among the prophetic people? To <laughs> it didn't just pop up. 1901 after the outpouring of the holy spirit you mean you mean revelation was available before then yes god has always dealt with the process of revelation by the testimony of jesus who is the spirit of prophecy is the spirit of christ that moved the prophets under the old covenant same spirit but it was revealed unto them that it wasn't to themselves that they were ministering the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached what? The gospel. Mm. Unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven things the angels desire to look into they prophesied of the grace that was coming that came in christ that is now reported has come by those that are preaching under the same spirit that the prophets had when they were prophesying about it so when you're reading the old testament if you're coming up with anything other than the testimony of jesus <laughs> you're misreading your scriptures. They just didn't know what they were talking about. So Jeremiah could get up and prophesy and say, remember not, or Isaiah, I forget which one, remember not the former things of old. Behold, I do a new thing. Before it comes forth, I'm going to tell you about it. I'm going to make a new covenant with the house of Israel and people still read it in the natural, not understanding it's the blood of Jesus that ratifies the new covenant. The new thing that all of the prophets were prophesying was the coming of Christ. Any questions so far? <laughs> you all right, Holly? <laughs> All right, so he says the, they were talking about the, the coming of Christ and the glory that would follow. So when the prophet stood and said, who has seen this house in its former glory, the latter end will be greater than the former because the house of God up until Jesus came was a temple sitting in Jerusalem. Because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, the temple of God is, are the living people of God. And now God, who once dwelt in temples made by hands, 
doesn't dwell in those temples anymore. Don't you know you are the temple of the Holy Ghost? So the glory of the latter house, the people of God is greater than the glory of the former, the natural nation of Israel. This is what the gospel is really all about. Let's look at Hebrews chapter one, and then I think we we'll, might be done for tonight. I think I might have given y'all enough to chew on until next week. Hebrews chapter one. I just want you to understand the the spirit of prophecy is the Holy Spirit. The purpose of the spirit of prophecy is to glorify Jesus. The purpose of prophecy is to glorify Jesus. The purpose of prophecy is to unroll the scroll. And it takes the same spirit that inspired the writers to write the scriptures for us to understand what they wrote. Why? Because we speak this wisdom not in the way the world speaks. The things that we're talking about, these are the, the mysteries of God. This is the eternal plan and purpose of God. This is what God intended. This is Genesis chapter one, verse zero. Did y'all know there was a Genesis chapter one, verse zero? Genesis chapter one, verse one says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Verse zero says, before the beginning, there was God. God didn't start when start got started. God started start. <laughs> okay. What about the Big Bang? Uh, yeah, that's when God said let. <laughs> but you know, but do you see when, when when we just look at when we look at scripture the way it's written? Do you see how clear things start appearing? So why, why, why do we argue with people who say, well, I believe in the Big Bang, that there was just this explosion of energy and that's where everything came from? Okay, cool. <laughs> what created the explosion was when God said, let. <laughs> and God released that power out of himself and it caused an explosion and creation came up out of the word. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God. All things were made by him. God upholds all things by the word of his power. Yes, there are laws in nature. God's word put it there. See, the prophets understood this. Y'all with me so far? They understood. Hebrews chapter 1. Man, y'all make me want to jump into Elijah a little bit tonight. But Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. Now catch this, God, who at sundry times and in divers manners, or God, who in time past and in various ways, he spoke unto the fathers by the prophets. That's Amos. Surely the Lord God would do nothing, but he reveal, unless he reveal it to his servants, the prophets. God said, can I do anything in the earth and not share with Abraham, my prophet? 
So in time past, God used the prophet to speak his word in the earth to the nation. Does anybody know why? If, if you, you might have heard my teaching on it, maybe. But does anybody know why God started speaking through the order of the prophet? Does anybody remember what created that occasion? Do you remember when God brought the children of Israel to the mountain and God spoke from the mountain? And the people said, Moses, you go up and hear from God and then you come and tell us what God said. You we will hear, but we don't want God to talk to us. So God, according to their faith, <laughs> gave them prophets. That was never the intent of God. God wanted to speak to the nation of Israel. They wanted God to speak to Moses and then Moses speak to them. And the sad thing is, folk, <laughs> all down through history, that has never changed. The masses, the masses have always wanted somebody to go hear from God and then come back and tell them what God said. And there has always been those who were more than willing to take them up on that offer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So God, It's called conditioning. It's conditioning. It's a form of slavery. <laughs> I, hate to put, I hate to put it that way, but that's part of the bondage that Jesus came to. That's part of the bondage that Jesus came to free us from. And what the enemy uses to enforce that system is religion. Well, I better find out what pastors say. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't have nothing against pastors. I pastored for many years. Thank God for deliverance. No, um, <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm having fun. Okay, but so God, who is sundry times and in various ways spoke in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his what's the next word son so was there a shift in how god communicates to humanity in between the old and the new covenant did anything change things change in the economy of god because of the coming of christ in, in time past, he spoke by the prophets. <laughs> now he's speaking by his son. So do you need a prophet to hear from God? No. <laughs> you can hear his voice yourself. Are prophets legitimate? Yes. 
But the New Testament function is quite different from the Old Testament function of a prophet. We still want prophets under from the Old Covenant. That's why you don't come before the man of God and not bring an offering. I mean, y'all have heard that one. <laughs> and then they jump back into the Old Covenant. So that every time a man came to see the prophet, he brought an offering. <laughs> and they did. They weren't paying them for, they weren't paying the prophet for a word from God. That's how the prophet made, that's how the prophet survived. But under the new covenant, things have drastically changed, but we're still trying to use these Old Testament models for how we do ministry under the new covenant. It doesn't work. And they use that Amos. <laughs> What's the other one that they use? Surely the Lord God will do nothing unless he reveal his secret unto his servants, the prophets. There's, a, there's another one that they use and, they use, and they get that one just as twisted as the other one. God speaks today through his son. And since his sons and daughters all have the spirit of prophecy, they can all operate as the prophets did under the old covenant they've got access to the same thing they've got access to the same wisdom the same illumination we all know that the thing that made the prophet under the old custom old testament the prophet had the word of the lord he didn't have a word from god he had the word of the lord in his mouth right that's what made the prophet the prophet he had the word of the lord but so do you You've got the same word that the prophets had. You have the fulfillment of what the prophets had. But we're, but, but we're still waiting on men and women to direct our life. Well, I got to figure out what to do. I need a word. I need a word from the prophet. I need a word from God. I need a word. I need a word. Give me a word, prophet. Give me a word. What's God, what, what, what God getting ready to do? And the interesting thing is, as long as we keep people in suspended animation, y'all know what I mean by suspended animation, right? What God getting ready to do. <laughs> God, God getting ready to give you a breakthrough. God getting ready to turn it around. I see God opening up a door and you've been praying and I see you and, and I see you in your home and you just, you know, you've got this space in your home and you, you know, I just see you praying there and you're crying out to God. And I just see God. I just, I just see angels all around you. And I see, I just see this bowl of liquid anointing just, just coming down all up over you. And, and God is about to, he's getting ready to take you to the next level. He's going to, I see it. I see it. I see it. And to seal it and to make it so, my PayPal is. Now, how long do we tolerate that stuff? How long do we put up with it? And not check it. That's what Baal's prophets did in Israel. They kept them in suspended animation. But what God getting ready to do? God getting ready to send rain. Now, imagine this. Elijah. <laughs> Elijah goes and shuts up the heavens. Ain't no rain. Baal was supposed to be the God that controlled nature. <laughs> he was the storm God, as well as the fertility God, but it wasn't raining. How many prophets do you think were running around Israel saying, it's getting ready to rain? 
It was 850 prophets, and I would venture to say 800 of them <laughs> was prophesying, it's getting ready to rain tomorrow. It's going to rain. I see it in my spirit. I see it. It's going to rain. And it never rained. Because the prophet said, ain't going to be no rain. <laughs> Except according to my word. I think that would be a good place to springboard into Elijah. Y'all give me 10 minutes. All right. How many of you all have ever wondered? Let's go back. Let's look at first Kings. I hope I can. Well, I was going to say, I hope I can tie this together, but I'm sure the Holy Ghost know what he's doing. First Kings. Chapter 17. Reach for it. Won't you reach for it? Reach 